listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. We want to talk about the Browns going from minus six to minus one and a half and Baker being like, well, wait a minute. Baker is... Is he an elite quarterback? Is he supposed to make $40 million? Does he think he's as good as Dak? If he is, why is the line only moving that modest amount? And my point would be, hey, it was known that he was banged up, obviously. Also, Case Keenum is an elite backup. As we mentioned, in 2017, he had the second highest quarterback rating, QBR, in the NFL. Number two. So... Whoever was number, I think, uh, was who was number one that year? That was Carson Wentz here. He was number one. Ooh. Tom Brady, three. Okay. So if you say, okay, you were second. There was one guy ahead of you who, by the way, let's not worry about who that was. <laughs> and then Tom Brady was right behind you. You've done pretty well. And QPR is, is as good as any single major. Yeah, and this year in particular for Baker Mayfield, having his worst QBR year to date, uh, his, he's, his worst so far was his rookie year, 51.2. His current QBR, 41.6. So Baker Mayfield not playing at an elite level, certainly. Valid point. And listen, on average, it's about 50, though it's drifted up the QBR average because quarterback plays, as, since they set that baseline, it's improved in the league, the rules, evolution and such. And the passing camps and the seven-on-seven seven and all that stuff, in theory, quarterback plays getting better. To be at 41 is well below average, no doubt. And it was a disappointing year. And I, I think that's the last point to this, which is Baker Mayfield has underperformed. Forget the three and three and all that. He's underperformed expectations. You add it all up, one of the better backups in the league, already banged up, having a bad year for him, and still the line moved from six to one and a half. You could almost make the case that that's a pretty big move, that that's a lot of respect for Baker Mayfield given the givens. Do you feel like that's a fair move? Are you more inclined, A.J. Hoffman, or less inclined to play the Browns? More inclined to play the Browns because I don't think the drop-off from the version of Baker Mayfield that we've had this season, the banged-up version, which he's been banged up now for, what, three, four weeks before this. Mm-hmm. McKenzie has a split we'll get to in a second, but go ahead. But I don't think the drop-off to Case Keenum, who you, I think, wisely said, is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. He's not a guy – he's a guy you don't want to be your starter because his upside feels – limited, mm-hmm. but he's a very, very solid guy to have backing up someone. I mean, you could make the case the pedigree post-injury for Teddy Bridgewater is pretty analogous to Keenum, except Bridgewater's never had a year as in any point of his career as good as 2017 was for Keenum. Now, the question becomes, do you potentially adjust now it's four years later, and is he at the point where there's a downward trend? You know, let's get Keenum's exact age up. Um, also, and listen, we're not one to stir the pot like some. We are cold cash over hot takes at Straight Out of Vegas. But you got to say, November 2nd, the trade deadline. If the Browns, and let me put this out there as a hypothetical, meaning it's possible, it's not actually irrational. The Brown, let's see if you agree with these points. The Browns are one of the most forward-thinking teams analytically. Yes. Another way to say that would be they're not going to be held back by dogma. What's dogma? It's old thinking that people have an attachment to. You hear religious dogma a lot. Oh, look, you can't do that because the church says this. Okay, a lot of people believe in that, and in a way that 
there's no judgment at all, but their beliefs are secondary at times to what the authority says. Now, if you're the type to say, we don't care about authority, I fight authority, authority always wins, as John Cougar would say. If you're that type, then you're not going to let convention dictate. But as we talked about yesterday, the math on going forward on fourth down, which has been a revolution this year, the math has been there for years and years. It's just people haven't had the guts to go against dogma, to go against this is the way you do it. Because when you do something different than the way you do it, if you're wrong, you get in a lot of trouble. A lot of people are mad. Why don't you just do it the way we know works? Well, the Browns have been gutsy in this new regime to say they're going to do it their way. They don't care about the dogmatic thinking of the past. Would the Browns maybe be the first team to say, you know something? Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. He's not worth what he's asking. The whole thing that that they tried to do with Dak in Dallas, Dallas tried to say, you're not worth what you're asking. Well, they kept playing chicken and chicken, and finally Dak kept playing well. And at some point, Jerry Jones said, geez, I'm looking at the actuarial tables. I don't have that much longer to go. I'm not going to start over, right? So he gave in. Could the Browns be the first team to say, you know what? We got him this year. We'll keep him. But let's trade for someone really good. I don't know. Deshaun Watson, maybe? I mean, he's available, apparently. There's rumored to be a deal. But maybe it's not Deshaun. Maybe it's somebody else. But now it's like, you know what? This player we get may or may not be better than Baker, but he most likely would be cheaper. And if they were going to do that in the offseason, remember, Baker's in his, his fourth year, right? So next year's his fifth-year option that's already been picked up. But... After that, I mean, it's time to sign him. So, in theory, what you're talking about is if the Rams had traded Goff for Stafford before they paid Goff. And before Goff was considered to be someone you had to put a first-round pick around his neck. Exactly. Send him to stay at the aunt's house, like but crumb cake. If you pay Baker Mayfield that kind of money, Baker Mayfield could quickly turn into Jared Goff. And the th- well, See, I, I think it's a great question and analogy. Here's the distinction. I think Goff, here's what people forget, and they were talking about this on a pod recently. I can't remember which one. If you actually look at, at on the Super Bowl year of Jared Goff, if you actually look at his stats like six or seven games through the season, like pretty much where we are now, he has better numbers than Stafford has right now. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, let's take a look at those numbers. Matt Stafford through six games this year. Which, there's MVP talk. In fact, where's he at on the MVP rankings of the odds? McKenzie. I'll grab that. No, he's 12-1. to 1. He's fifth or sixth. Let me grab All right, that. so he's one of the leaders when it comes to MVP. That's this year. That's this year. And Jared Goff, in the Super Bowl year, not that long ago, a couple years ago, this is a guy who last year was traded, or in the offseason was traded, in which they gave a number one pick to Detroit. It was literally, like I referenced in the last segment, I don't know if you've ever been around cousins and like in an ethnic kind of you know, upbringing, oftentimes it's like, go to your Aunt Irene's or Aunt Mary's, and hey, here's some pineapple upside down cake she likes, bring her the tray of it, and you stay with her tonight. I think that there's a transaction there. There's a transaction. Okay. Jared Goff had a first-round pick around his neck like 
a pineapple upside down cake in his arms to go over to Detroit. You stay here now. This is your new home. <laughs> think about that. Honestly, I think Campbell already regrets taking that cake. I don't know because if you're go <laughs> if you're going for a high draft choice, it was a good because you got the number one <laughs> and you got some other uh, value potentially. Stafford this year, by the way, the sixth favorite to win the MVP, twelve to one odds. Okay, if you look at his performance this year, and let's keep in mind, quarterback play has improved just in a few years, so the baseline's gone up. QBR, Stafford versus Goff is about the same. No real distinction. Yards per, they're both in the low to mid-70s. Yards per attempt, which Fezzik believes is one of the key analytical measures. I think if you can just have a plain stat you can get from the newspaper— Probably yards per attempt is the best one to say how good every time you snap the ball and drop back, how many yards do you gain? Because ultimately that tells you the whole story. Or almost the whole story. Goff had 9.9 yards per attempt. That's as good as I mean, that's about as good as you can do. Stafford this year has 9.2. That's seven tenths less. And you know what? 9.2 is mighty good. 9.9 is amazingly good. Yards per game, Goff had more. Completion percentage, Stafford had him by a little bit. So really, by any measure, you can't say Stafford's year this year, so far, is better than Goff was through six games. That's the apples to apples, his Super Bowl year. What's the takeaway? Why are we making such a big deal? Why am I talking in a loud voice about it? Well, here's why. One, it shows you nothing tells you anything that you can really be sure of in six games. So whatever you think you know, Washington's horrible. And, oh, my gosh, is Arizona better than people think or thought coming into the year? When A.J. says, you know, I'm not sure about Arizona yet, there's a chance he's right. Now, the, the evidence is piling up against him. <laughs> but there's a chance he's right. Like Jared Goff, you could have looked at those numbers after six games and said, this is one, he's, a, he's on a Hall of Fame path. If you would have said which young quarterbacks are on a Hall of Fame path after six games, the Super Bowl year of the Rams, golf would have been probably at the top of that list, if not one of the top, as in young quarterbacks that were going to make the Hall of Fame. Do you debate that, AJ? No, you cannot debate it. So what's it telling us? One, short sample sizes don't really matter all that much. Right. Because even by the end of that year, all of those numbers across the board were substantially down for yes. golf. And it all turned, it, it blamed Nick Fan or Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio was the DC of Chicago. We remember there was a night game. Was that Thanksgiving, maybe? There was a, I, I don't think it was a Sunday night game, but it was a, maybe 12 games into the season. It was a night game, it was cold. And it was all this talk about golf has small hands and the cold really bothers him. And what Fangio ended up doing, and listen, I am not an expert at X's and O's, but I've really spent some time on it recently trying to learn more. And my understanding is it was the way that the D linemen were face up over the, the offensive linemen, covering them up, as they call it, I think. And it was just something that they hadn't really dealt with before. 
And it was something that there's never been an answer to. It was Sunday Night Football Week 14, December okay. 9th. All right, yeah. A 15-6 Chicago Bears win. That was the second loss of the season so for the Rams to that one point. One loss coming in. Yep. I mean, Into Week all, 14. Week 14, and they were the clear Super Bowl favorites. And the Bears dominated them. I mean, they dominated them. And golf has never recovered. Because there's nothing golf can do. Because that's what Belichick, as much as Belichick gets a lot of credit in that Super Bowl, it was a, it was a situation where uh, Fangio did it first and golf has never recovered. Now, what we've seen this year is the Rams have changed the offense around Stafford and they've recovered. It's like you can't do that against Stafford. And thus, in a way, it wasn't even a bad trade. We're not saying it was a bad trade. It's golf turned into something different. Because of the scheme changes against him. And let's bring it back to Baker Mayfield. Because they decided to pay Goff after three years. They said, how soon can we pay this future Hall of Famer? What's the quickest the league will allow us to pay him? Okay, after three years? Then as soon as we can, let's get into a heavy negotiation after three years and lock him up. And by the way, lock up at Gurley, too. We want to lock him up. Well, whoops and whoops. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best decision in the world, but the Browns are more forward thinking. The Browns are less dogmatic. And the Browns said, you know what? We could pay Baker. We could stop all this conversation on first take in those kind of shows. We're not going to. So right off the go, the fact they don't sign him after three years when they could tells you the Browns are open to not signing him. They're saying, show me, right? Yeah, and which is wild to think about because what franchise have we talked about the most not being able to find a franchise quarterback or even a semblance of it, a fan base that's just hungry for anybody to put their arms? Probably since Bernie Kosar, the Browns haven't had a quarterback that the fans felt good about until right now. And I listen, I was a kid during the Bernie years. There was no reason to feel good about him either. <laughs> well, compared to Johnny Football and Tim Couch, Bernie Kosar was Joe Montana. I can't lie. I like Tim Couch. <laughs> I thought I thought he I thought he was like a he was a Mahomes before Mahomes. The league just wasn't ready for Tim Couch. He played a before Kentucky his time. under How Mummy, if I recall. I know a little bit about that run and shoot tree, but I'll tell you this: it's fascinating because if they did say "show us Baker," if the Browns said "show us Baker," show us how good you really are. What's he shown this year, AJ? He's shown that he's not very durable, uh-huh. and he's shown that. Well, you could look at it two ways. You could say he played through an injury. It's tough. So you admit, Baker Mayfield's tough. No matter what Colin Cowherd says in FSR, <laughs> Baker Mayfield is tough. I do think he's tough. But, but I also think he was in a situation where he felt like he needed to prove himself. And where maybe two, three weeks ago, if he were paid, if he were fat and happy, Ooh. he sits out then. Now he's like, I've got to make something happen this season. So he goes out there. 70%, 60%, whatever he's at, compromised. Now, that is an assumption. And I hope Baker, I don't know if you're somehow associated with Baker Mayfield's PR agency, but what you're saying is the best possible takeaway from all this is last year's Baker was the truth. If anything, he would have gotten better. But because he got hurt, and if you look at his stats before he got hurt and you compare them to the stats after he got hurt, it's going to tell the story that Baker was as good, if not better, as the season uh, started when he was 100% healthy. So before the injury, now listen, this injury happened about tw- uh, about 
20% through the second game. So let's call it 1.2 games. Okay. 1.2 games, his yards per attempt was better than Jared Goff was, 11.5 yards per attempt. His completion percentage, lucky 7-7, percent good. Good. <laughs> when you're throwing for 11.5, remember, uh, Aaron Rodgers and all of the, the mythology of his greatness, he really was amazingly good his first four or five years. He had an 8.5 yards per attempt. Yards per attempt was 8.5. The average now in the NFL is like 7.4. So 7.4 is average. 8.5 is amazing. 11.5 is crazy. No, no player could even hope to do that. It was only 1.2 games, but it's still 11.5 yards, 77%. So the narrative Baker once is, we were good last year in year three. We got even better. And you saw it when he was unhindered. But then a tragic perhaps some would say debilitating injury to his non-throwing shoulder. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it, you listen to it, I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I like it when news events form and help me form a worldview. And it's my belief that the current or my worldview when it comes to football involves the following. That the old school, the coach on, you know, um... What was that good movie? Uh, Varsity Blues. I like that movie. Is like that coach, uh, John Voight, that guy doesn't cut it anymore because he, it seems he's a dinosaur. He's old school. And if there's any place on earth that old school had its day, like you would say, you know where I want it's an advantage to be old school? Well, not, let's say, in space travel. Like, if you're trying to work for NASA. <laughs> or Tesla. Yeah. There's, you know, no doubt. There's, or if you're in a, like, a West Coast elite, you know, if you're old school, not a good thing, necessarily. Uh-huh. I mean, speaking of Texas, Friday Night Lights, when, <laughs> when they went to New York City once, and he's walking around with the boots on and everything. Yeah, different. It's not, it's not good, necessarily. Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy, no. Well, with a niche, it worked. But in general, football was the place old school works. So if you talk like Orgeron, you got an Ed Orgeron imitation? Do you want it? Yeah. Hey, get on out of here with your sissy blue shirt. Exactly. See, that should be winning in football. <laughs> but it's not. And my question would be, if you had a young Turk, let's look at, I don't know, Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Good. You just pull that one out of thin air? Yeah. Okay. Kyle Shanahan, young guy, pedigreed. He's always on the list of best coaches, except he's had one winning season in his life as a head coach. One. And they still didn't win at all. His best season, they didn't win at all. His next best season, they were under 500. So imagine I'm walking, like I'm a secretary that's a little bit sassy, and I walk in. Next interviewee, Mr. Kyle Shanahan, one winning season in his career. Yeah. Doesn't sound so good, does not, it? Not all that great. Now, Mackenzie, is that fair? That is accurate and fair. Okay. Accurate is always fair. Okay. So now, walk in Ed Orgeron, 
And he might go, ah, rah, 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 <laughs> like cookie monster. <laughs> but the way you introduce him is the head coach of perhaps the greatest season in the history of college football. And that was mm, 14 months ago? <laughs> Not long ago at all. <laughs> okay. And oh, by the way, he's on the market. Now, it, to me, it goes to show you, if it was a young Turk that did what he did, it would be like, the future looks so bright. And when it's him, it's like, we got to get out. Yeah, we, I know we won, but let's make some excuses and let's get out of the past. And it goes to show you how dangerous it is for you to allow subjectivity into your analysis. But it's also, you talk about this a lot with players. We fall in love with upside and potential. Mm -hmm. And when a guy's in his 50s, we think we've seen the best of him. Except it's not, I don't, I think it's about his physical appearance where he's big and bulky and flashy. It's his voice. I think his voice is, I mean, listen, I think one one thing we're seeing for sure now is in Detroit that Campbell is uh, a, a pretty smart coach. Yeah. Do you see that? I do. Th- I, I do think he's that. But when he did the knee biting, it was he like thought he was a moron. I didn't. I did. I know because you jumped to conclusions. I did. And I, my thinking is, all right, we got that, and we got Sean Payton had him as his right hand man. Which one is bigger? Well, apparently, knee biting was bigger for most of the media. Be careful with that. I'm not saying trends don't matter. The first question is: Is the trend valid? Is it going to be advantageous to follow this trend? And number two. Are we letting trends get in the way of the objective measure of things? I think Orgeron's better than this. He deserves better than this. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.